0: Hey, D.D. Perks members in Washington, D.C. Now that we're slowly getting back to running, make the most of your day with large hot coffees from Dunkin' for $1.49. Not a D.D. Perks member? Join on the Dunkin' app today for an easy, contactless way to order and pay. Pick up in-store or at the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Friday morning, got another episode of The Mandalorian to discuss right here, right now on TV House. I am your host, Ryan Snelling. As we speak, PJ Campbell is on his way to LA to see the Schmodown Spectacular. That's right, that's where he is right now. It's all good. I've got somebody else that I want to talk about The Mandalorian with. It's Austin Burke back, back from his hiatus on he- the Schmo's No podcast feed. Happy to have you here. What's up, dude? Oh, man, I'm happy to be here. You know,
1: I love being here, but the Schmodown Spectacular, that sounds pretty fun. I ain't going to lie, so PJ's probably <laughs> having a great time. But, man, it's, it is so, so nice to be back after a long month, you know, and, and what a, you couldn't have a more perfect show to come back to than The Mandalorian. Right.
0: Yeah, not only does he get to see the Schmodown Spectacular he he's staying in LA for like an additional like eight days or something crazy like that so he gets to have a good time in yeah. the city of angels he's visiting with friends and stuff like that so it's all good we hope PJ has a good time uh you are going to help me out with the podcast feed in the meantime I very much appreciate that I think I uh have a couple of other surprises in the bank uh, for later on in the week while he's out and uh You guys will know when that comes up, but yeah, we're here to talk about The Mandalorian Episode 5. I don't think you and I have really talked about this show, have we, at all? No, not at all. I was gonna say, even off-air, I don't know if we've actually said anything other than like, hey, The Mandalorian was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, If uh, if this is your first time on TV House, just so you know, this isn't a Star Wars podcast, this is a TV podcast, so we like to... uh, we like to try to be as objective as possible i'm talking to somebody who's probably watched more tv than it, like anybody on earth uh definitely more than myself i feel like i watch a ton of tv i recap a lot of tv over at sight and sound that's mm-hmm. sort of the bread and butter but uh you watch uh more tv than anybody i know so you're also like a perfect perfect guest for that right like how would you say how would you say you you approach looking at a show like this, who has such like a passionate fan base and an existing canon?
1: Yeah, I it's you know normally I'm I'm I've kind of adjusted myself to the binge watching, which is how I kind of approach my YouTube channel. Man, I mean I'm always reviewing Netflix shows, Amazon. I mean I'm I'm right in the middle of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel right now. Uh, so a show like this comes out, and you get weekly episodes, kind of kind of throwing you back to the the old TV days and. It's Star Wars. It's Star Wars on television. We've never gotten anything like that before, so it's hard to uh, it's hard to kind kind of ignore the fandom behind it because it is still a divisive fandom. Uh, but what I love about this show is the show is kind of, from what I've noticed, it's kind of bringing everyone back together, and it's really capturing the heart of Star Wars. And progressing in the way that a great television show is supposed to progress. And you asked for my thoughts. I mean, I'm loving the show so far. And I knew that I would enjoy it. Like, I love all of the names attached. I love the talent. I think it's, I think it's an interesting concept and a very different concept from Star Wars. But what this show has done, uh, and I don't think they knew. I mean, I, they knew the impact, obviously. But I don't think they knew what this would spark online. I mean, do you really think Favreau knew in the back of his head how big Baby Yoda was going to end up being? I mean, they probably anticipated, uh, but not to this degree, not the most memeable thing that I've seen since like freaking SpongeBob. So it is ridiculous how popular this show has gotten with general audiences. And, And I was talking to a friend the other day, like someone who has never seen a Star Wars movie, who has never been interested in Star Wars. And he was saying, hey, man, did, did you see The Mandalorian yet? And I, just, <laughs> I sit back and I go, wait a second, what did you just say? Like, I've been trying to get you to watch Star Wars for 10 years, and you just asked me if I've seen The Mandalorian. But that's kind of the reach of what this show is doing so far. So it, it's an interesting thing that we've never really seen before. Uh, but so far, man, I mean, just everything about this show is working for me and I'm excited to talk to you about it because I've listened to the shows but we haven't had a discussion yet so this should be fun
0: yeah it's funny whenever you ask a filmmaker or an actor like hey did you ever imagine that this would become this it's always no you never know but at the same time and I I believe that for the most part I believe uh that they're just unaware Uh, but at the same time Where we are in this like internet age, I think maybe, maybe you still don't know, but you can maybe anticipate this new, like, Mm. you know, this meme era, if you will, that (laughs) things will kind of take on or catch on in meme form. And that's, that's, you know, obviously what Baby Yoda is. Baby Yoda is a meme, right? I saw this past week, I even tweeted about it because I kind of don't even understand it. (laughs) <laughs> that 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 report, that that report that it's, like, the most in-demand show ever, and it's more in-demand than Stranger Things 3. This yeah. is, like, a new metric. This metric came up. It's the first time I've ever heard of it. And, like, so I get what it's saying in, like, a literal sense. Like, it's, mm-hmm. like, an in-demand show. But I don't know. They don't explain, at least in the reports that I've read, how you even, like, measure that. So it's like, yeah. okay, do you just want to tell us, like, how many viewers it has? Because... Mm-hmm. The last report for Disney Plus subscribers, it was like 10, 10 million. I think that came out um, the second, first or second week. We found out that there were like ten million subscribers for Disney Plus. Not all of those people are watching The Mandalorian, yeah. and I guarantee way more than ten million people watch Stranger Things three. So I wish I got, I wish I had more of a bearing as to what that means. But obviously, if you're on the internet and you're on Twitter, you know that every single freaking person is talking about baby yoda i mean laura dern said laura dern said she saw baby yoda at an nba game whatever the fuck that means so it's just it's just been such a weird thing baby yoda is maybe the biggest thing from from this year it's crazy
1: i i saw your tweet now here's kind of my and obviously i don't think the viewership is higher than stranger things but i I think netflix can learn a little bit of what disney plus is doing i mean (laughs) It's kind of what television has been doing over the last, what, 40, 50 years. But I think this show is sticking a bit more than Stranger Things Season 3 because of the fact that it's weekly, right? Yes. Stranger Things comes out two weeks. Everyone's talking about it nonstop. And then it just kind of dies down, right? Right. I think that's the brilliance and the beauty of, of a, And I love binging. Don't get me wrong. I think binging's... Really fun, fantastic, you get it all out of the way, but the talk is not there after three to four weeks as much as it is for for something like uh, The Mandalorian, and people are talking about this thing every week like it's fresh, and it is fresh because we get a new episode. And even though it's only eight episodes, uh, it feels like it's going on and on and on, and it will never end, and that's exactly what Disney wants. So I think the idea behind it, because it got some pushback originally. Everybody's like, what, they're not going to release it all at once? No, I think it's brilliant, man. I think they're doing this the right way. Uh, The the hype is staying alive. The talk is staying alive. And Baby Yoda, dude, I mean, did did you see the Guy Fieri meme? Guy Fieri, Baby Yoda? Right. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, that's the, the best thing I've seen in like three weeks. So it is, yeah. it is constantly being talked about. And I think that's brilliant.
0: I, I agree 100% with everything that you said. Uh, I, I still think binging has a place, even though, For sure. look, I, I, I recap television. So I obviously prefer doing it on a weekly basis. I yeah. just think the conversations, there's a whole lot more to that kind of conversation. But I still think binging has a place. Like, I think about that show. Um, what was it? That show, like, Undone, is that the animated show yes. with the Rose's Hell? Yes. Like, I, I haven't watched that show, and I know you have. So, like, really does good. a show like that need to come out weekly, or is it fine being binged? Yes. You know? Yes, okay. I'm with you.
1: That, that is the perfect example of something that. And, it's hard, though, because it's not like Netflix can say, well, we're going to do weekly episodes for this and we're going to allow you to binge this. It's it's a difficult. So I am not jealous of Netflix and their decision making at all, because it's very tough to tell which show should we do weekly, which show should we push out at once. Uh, But I I think both have their benefits. It's a difficult thing to juggle. uh, But I think Disney Plus is doing it right because The Mandalorian is a show that needs to be the talk of the town. Every single episode, uh, and that's exactly what's happening,
0: like, yeah, Bojack Horseman, even though it's about to go away, that yeah. doesn't need to be a weekly thing, like I'm it's, with you. it's fine if if that's benched, you know, I'm so you. so I think the learning curve here is that shorter episodes we didn't anticipate that or at least I didn't, We didn't know that these were going to be shorter episodes. I'm actually thankful for it because I think mm-hmm. it's maybe the most rewatchable show I've seen in a long ass time like mm-hmm. that isn't a sitcom you know that isn't The Office or Arrested Development or Seinfeld like it's like super rewatchable um, yeah. I, the only episodes that I haven't rewatched are last week's um, and that's not it for any particular reason other than I just I you know I have other stuff going on and I just didn't get to it and this this week's episode which you know just came out this morning so I haven't rewatched those two but not for any any special reason um, I, I've been given it a while. I've been trying to stay objective as possible because I'm still under the impression that we're still figuring out Star Wars on television. Like this mm-hmm. is setting precedence, in my opinion, more than it is like letting me down because I didn't know what the hell this was gonna be. <laughs> yeah. and and I and I still don't. But like even last week, I think uh, like on sight and sound, when Jay and I talked about it, Jay did not enjoy episode four at all. okay. And uh, I, I was kind of under the impression that like, I think it caught some people off guard. Because it felt like a new beginning. I was always under that impression. Because the uh, the, uh, the listeners have heard me talk about this a million times already. But the episode synopsis came out from 1 through 3. Like before they aired. And yeah. it seemed very much like a beginning, middle, and end. So I was kind of always under the impression that in the middle of the season we would kind of begin anew. And kind of hit the reset button. And yeah, of course Baby Yoda's there as well. And we're going to continue the Mandalorian's arc, but it's also just going to involve more procedural storytelling. So I, uh, we're still learning. I think and this episode uh, did a whole lot more to, to enlighten us. Uh, I think if we want to transition into the recap and kind of give uh, our overall thoughts, I-, I think it's very important to establish that again, this isn't like a star Wars podcast. This is a TV podcast, because mm-hmm. if I'm look- looking at this objectively, I think this is um, easily my least favorite episode of of the seri- or this yeah of the season, okay. and that that doesn't mean that I didn't like things in it, but I think as a television episode, I just found it very ineffective uh, and almost like just kind of down to th- the the filmmaking skeleton of it all. Like mm-hmm. I I was impressed with the the visual effects and some of the action, but I think when it came down to just the the simple like <laughs> acting ability of Bobby Cannaval's son like that kind of stuff like I, I just kind of thought it was a failure in a lot of those those ways that I think you actually need to uh what I expect from any TV show not just yeah. not just the Mandalorian so uh so we'll we'll unpack that a little bit more but w- what's your overall thoughts on this episode
1: uh. Episode four was actually my least favorite of the season so far, counting this episode. I thought the direction was a little sloppy, uh, and there were certain characters in there that didn't necessarily work for me. Now, I do think this one stepped it up a notch over last week's episode, but I still don't think it measures up to the first three. Like you said, the first three, it's kind of a beginning, middle, and end. Uh, It felt very similar in tone, whereas these last two, they've just... You know, they've kind of veered off, not in a direction that I'm unhappy with, because I liked the episode. Yeah. I thought it was good. Um, but I just, they're so different compared to what we were getting in those first three episodes. And maybe that's just something I have to wrap my head around and get used to, because like you, first three episodes, I've seen three times. Last week's episode and this week's episode, I've only seen once. Maybe I need to go back, maybe I need to revisit, uh, because those first three episodes, they've gotten significantly better every time I've watched them. Uh, I'm kind of with you on the acting, too. Last week, not that I had a huge issue with Gina Carano's character, uh, but I thought her acting was very, very underwhelming compared to what everyone right. else was in this week's episode. It's kind of the same deal with a few of these random characters. Like when we first show up, uh, the older woman, I don't know the actress's name, but it just, it almost felt like a spoof to me. And it felt like she, she was reading dialogue to me. And it just, I felt very uncomfortable.
0: So that is, uh, comedic actress, Amy Sedaris, who, mm. uh, she's actually, I think she's actually in Bojack Horseman, uh, She's one of the main characters in BoJack Horseman, but you might okay. remember her. She works at Gimble's in the Elf movie oh, and she has she she's dressed as an elf with the curly blonde hair and she I can't remember what they're talking about, but she's like really No, actually no 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 no. She is the secret her she is she's his a, dad's she's secretary lady at the desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the uh the the Christmas Graham girl. That's who oh that my is. God, so What? So yeah, that is a comedic actress Amy Sedaris. So uh, once I picked up on that, I kind of uh, appreciated the tone that okay. she that she was giving to it, just because I was kind of like in on it, I guess. But not, you know, not everyone will be, just because she she looks very different than, you know, if you go to IMDb and look up Amy Sedaris, mm-hmm. she looks different. <laughs> yeah. Like so, she she was you know in costume here and uh, you know dirtied up and stuff for Star Wars, so it, it wasn't uh, that easy to pick up on, to be fair. But it's.
1: It's the most prequely feeling episode to me. It it feels very much like the, uh, more like the Phantom Menace than any of the three. Uh, Just in tone and even uh, Cannavale's son, uh, Jake, I believe is his name, his character comes in and feels very much like a character from the prequels, right? And I don't know if that's on him. I don't know if that's the direction from, did Filoni do this episode? Am I correct in that? He did. Okay, yeah. so that's probably maybe more in, in terms of Clone Wars, I guess, is what it felt like. And that's not a bad thing, right? That is right. That is something that will provide entertainment value, but maybe doesn't go along with what the first three episodes brought us. And it also, to me, feels like a bit of an offshoot from the previous few episodes. Like, even episode four, even though it's my least favorite, it felt more in line with the mission. Whereas this feels like it's setting up that one plot point, and not to skip all the way to the end, but that one plot point at the end to where the guy kind of walks over her body, and I I, I think that guy's going to be uh, Giancarlo Esposito's character. I think. I don't know. But that's what it feels like. It feels like we're setting up that character, and that's the new guy uh, after after Mando. So that right. that, to me, is what this episode felt like. But once again, I didn't think it was bad there are some entertaining things I'm sure we'll talk about uh, but those are just kind of my overall thoughts walking out
0: well I think that you know if if you've seen any of Rebels and any of the Clone Wars I think you can kind of already like I think when I say we don't know what Star Wars on television is yet I, I, I mean live action obviously yes. because of Clone Wars and, and Rebels but if you've seen any of those shows you kind of know how Dave Filoni tells stories so yeah sure there's a lot of those. Hey, let's go help this pig farmer save his pigs in the in the village. Types of episodes, mm-hmm. uh, which is it's kind of like what was going on last week. Obviously, there was still kind of a lot of action too, and you have the you know the ATST, and it's really flashy and cool, and you know, and and that's all well and good. But um, I think that's kind of what we have to realize now is that there are certain episodes that kind of feel like they are departures from. From this, you know, I I don't think that's too outside the realm of what we've already seen in television. Right. Um, so that's really not the stuff that I have a problem with per se. Like, I I really love the speeder stuff. Like yes. that oh, that man. shot, the shot in the in the trailer, the Mandalorian trailer, where the flares, you know, going up into the sky, and that guy, I guess, you know, he he swerves. That shot was like one of my coolest, one of my favorite shots uh, from the trailer, and I was really excited to see that all go down. Um, it, it's funny because you talked about this feeling like a prequel era episode, but it's also it feels very much like a New Hope because of yeah. uh, not that Tatooine isn't in the prequels, obviously, but it felt like we got to explore the like the the Tusken Raiders and things like that more as yes. well. So, so it it felt like all of it, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is which is good because it continues to feel like Star Wars, but there's also. Low quality Star Wars. So, I and I hate to pick on this guy, Jake Cannavale. Look, <laughs> it, he just was not great in this yeah. episode, and I think he is—he's easily his character Toro Calican, the the worst thing about the series so far. I, mm. I, I'm I, I hate being that way about it, but it was just kind of like so strikingly like not Star Wars for me. Just yeah. his look. It didn't take me out of it because it was Bobby Cannavale's son or anything like that because I, I looked it up while I was watching the episode. Like, I wasn't, I just stumbled upon it. I wasn't investigating, who the hell is this guy ruining my Star Wars? <laughs> I just I just happened to notice that it was. So I was like, damn, man, that's, I don't know what that's about because I'm a big fan of your dad. But he he just didn't look like Star Wars. He didn't do do a good, very good job i don't know if that says anything about the direction because you know he is acting up against a stuntman uh, hmm. as far as we know uh, with the mandalorian but also even his his scenes with uh ming na wen weren't that strong when they were together so yeah. i i ha- again i hate being this way and picking on him but i just didn't think that entire thing worked at all so um it, it's unfortunate it's a big bruise i'm not gonna lie I think a bit of it is the dialogue as well. Like it, when he approaches
1: her character at the end and he says, not so fast, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, why say that? Like how many movies have we heard that particular line in? It's, it was so <laughs> cliche. Like, seriously, I'm just like, why man? And there were moments like that with his character. And I, I don't know whether it's like you said, the direction with Filoni, he's not used to a live action setting. Um, so It's difficult. And this is not a knock on Felony. Like, I really enjoyed this episode. I had a lot of fun with it. There's entertainment to be had, like you mentioned, the speeder chase. It's great. There were just certain lines that were delivered, and I felt off. And I felt the same way about Amy's character as well. I just, like, I don't know if this fits the tone. But... And I keep backtracking because I don't want people to think that I hated this episode. I did enjoy this episode. You know, I like right. the fact that we explored Moss Eisley a bit more. Um, I liked the I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold line at the beginning, just kind of harkening back. And I love the the title of the episode, The Gunslinger. Like it, yeah. it's very West. I, I want to know this, Ryan. Have you seen the debate going on online, whether this is a samurai show or a Western show? I've just stayed out of it, but I'm I'm interested to see what you think about that.
0: Uh Yeah, I've seen the debate and it's uh really stupid because <laughs> yes, it it's is. not only is it not only can you say that it's both, but also <laughs> who fucking cares? Yes. Seriously. Like if it's not a samurai show, OK, then it's just the Mandalorian to me. <laughs> I don't I don't need to <laughs> I don't need to know the influences per se. And, you know, I think the debate, too, part of it's like, well, I guess it's sad that um, the up and coming, I don't know, film fans of a younger generation don't appreciate these films. And, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not arguing against that. I'm not dismissing the influences. I just don't need to know what okay. it comes from like it, yeah. it's it's okay <laughs> yeah. like, I, actually I'll, I'll just a better a better way to word this i don't need to argue what the yeah. influences are because i'm just watching the mandalorian okay i and i i know that star wars up until this point in the entire time has been a western has been influenced by samurai films so mm-hmm. it's not new and i'm not gonna have this tired debate it, I, it's fine
1: I think that's kind of a good thing, like a testament to the show, though, because instead of arguing whether the show is good or not, I think everyone understands that the show's pretty good, so they're trying to find something else to argue about, right? If this was the movies, (laughs) seriously, if this was the movies, then everyone would be arguing about the quality, but since everyone likes this show, they're sitting there shaking, going, well, we got to argue about something. Well, is it a samurai show, or is it a western? And then that debate sparks online, so... I think everyone appreciates the fact that that's the argument instead of the actual quality of the show. But I just (laughs) I found it so entertaining, man. I'm sitting back. I I saw a few people that I recognize, a few people that I follow getting in the argument, man. I'm just like, what's the point? Like, why are we all why are we all freaking out? But one thing I liked about this episode, just to get back on track, I think this is another example of how Mando is such a sympathetic character. Right, he comes off as this big B.A. guy that no one can take down, and, and at the beginning of the show, he felt a bit heartless—not in a bad way, just in a very Mandalorian way. In this episode, man, he buys into uh, Tor- Toro—I believe was his name. He buys into yep. his sob story about you know wanting to get into the guild, and this can help him out. And he's so protective over Baby Yoda. He's just—he's turning into this very likable, sympathetic character. And you guys have mentioned this before. The fact that he can emote so well underneath yeah. that mask. I think, one, is a testament to Pedro's uh, acting ability and his line delivery. But two, and whoever's dressed as the Mandalorian. But two, I think it's an example of great writing. And I know I mentioned mm. some of the dialogue in this episode wasn't up to par. But to make us care this much about a character who has yet to allow us to see his face... Now, we saw him remove the mask in the last episode, but we still haven't seen his face. I think that's a testament to what this show is doing. And I think The Mandalorian is one of my favorite modern Star Wars characters right now. This particular character is so impressive, what they've done with it so far, and what we're five episodes in, and it's just... It continues to knock it out of the park, man. I really do resonate with this guy, and I, and I hope he continues to move in that that you know trusting, loving, sympathetic direction because I love what they're doing with that storyline.
0: Uh, I I agree with a lot of what you said, and it's funny because The Mandalorian. Has already done like way more than Boba Fett ever imagined doing. But oh yes. It it's kind of sad because Boba Fett gets all of the attention for the wrong reasons, and mm-hmm. now that the Mandalorian is out, he gets no attention because of Baby Yoda. So, <laughs> oh, so oh. <laughs> I I feel kind of bad that this is the character that like still can't <laughs> get out of Boba Fett's shadow. That's awful. But uh, mm-hmm. but uh, it it's funny that you interpret uh the mandalorian is a badass right well i mean I, I i think the mandalorian every mandalorian is supposed to come off as a badass So oh, yeah. i under i understand that it's a warrior clan i get it but so far in this show we've kind of see we see him get his ass kicked a lot a bit, and yeah. <laughs> he's kind he's kind of a he's kind of a klutz he's kind of dumb sometimes it's <laughs> not gonna lie so uh, it's not a criticism i'm just observing that sometimes he's a little uh a little reckless but uh, I, I don't disagree with everything that you said. I, I think actually the Mandalorian is actually maybe uh, that and Baby Yoda are the actually the strongest parts of the show and then mm-hmm. uh, the visual effects as well. But I mean, I, I have no complaints at all with the Mandalorian so far. So I, 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 also- I agree with most of that.
1: I also wanted to point out just the the pre, we said it felt prequely, but there were a lot of prequel references in here. When when he shouts out, she has the high ground. Yeah. I because I just watched Revenge of the Sith again because I'm going back through the Star Wars movies and I'm just like, what a what a fun reference! Like, and I know that scene gets torn apart and this and that, but she's got the high ground, and apparently having the high ground in the Star Wars universe <laughs> is a big deal. Uh, so I found that, and just that that entire third act, right? So much fun! The speeder chase, just. The, the waiting, see who has the advantage in battle. Like That was so much fun to me, and that was so entertaining. Um, I could have used a little bit more Baby Yoda, of course, but we got our cute moments. We continue to get our cute moments with that character. One thing I love, too, is... So I was starting to roll my eyes when they were about to work together, um, Toro and, and Ming-Na Wen's character. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. They're both going to turn on the Mandalorian... And I don't know if you saw this coming, Ryan, but I did not see him shooting her. I did not see that coming. I thought for sure they were going to go down that route. And for me, that was a very good decision that made that actually helped his character out a bit for me. Um now Mando took him down pretty easy. Yeah, sure. But they didn't go down the super cliché route of having the 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 guy that you're supposed to take down and the guy chasing her in the first place teaming up to take down the Mandalorian. They didn't do that. They they kept it um they kind of kept the audience on their toes. So I thought that was a really good decision.
0: I can go two ways on this on this scene. So if if my memory serves me, that whole exchange is the first like true time we've left the Mandalorian's POV. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. I think I think you're right. Yeah.
0: So I appreciate that the show, you know, did that at some point, but at the same time I wish that it was a little bit more of a I, I just wish I valued the scene more for that reason, if that mm. makes sense. I, I think uh I, I didn't expect him to do that either, but it was kind of just simply because we know so little about who that character is. You know what True. I mean? Like they they could have done anything and I could have bought into it because you're you're just now setting up this character for me. So it's not like this was the sixth episode with Toro and uh he, he blew our minds because he betrayed you know you mm. know, it's like it, it could have been really anything, so I'm I'm a little disappointed that that was the first time that we did it, just because I, w- I wish I cared about the scene more. But mm-hmm. um, but I mean, yeah, I guess it is worth pointing out that it is the first time that the show's done that, um, to my recollection. I wanted to see,
1: uh, while I liked that decision, I'm really upset that Ming Na Wen is not in the show anymore. Like that is very upsetting because I love her as an actress. I think she's fantastic. And I was interested to learn a bit more about her. So that was kind of a bummer. And I know they're going to, you know, Taika Waititi in the first episode, they're going to have these celebrity guests, and a lot of them are going to end up being one-offs. Uh, but that one in particular kind of bothered me, just because I want to, and I think that's my big issue, if I have a big issue with the show so far. I want to know a bit more about some of these side characters. I want to know a bit yeah. more about characters that you've don't think should be one-offs, they end up being one-offs, and then you don't care as much because of that? Like, I just think the writing needs to supplement these side characters a bit more. Sure, they're doing a great job with The Mandalorian, Uh, an awesome job with Baby Yoda, but some of these supporting actors, I think they should dive in just a tad bit more in.
0: I, I agree with that but I am thankful that we at least get some recognizable actors in these smaller roles as opposed For to, sure. again, this whole thing with, with Jake Kenneval. Like, I, I would rather... I would rather Carl Weathers play... um, What's his name? Grief. uh, In, in two episodes than, mm. like, just some nobody that we just can't connect with the way that we did this week with, with Toro. So, I, I mean, everything that you just said about Fennec, I, I mean, I feel that way about Cara Dune. Like... Again, I haven't rewatched the episode, so help me remember, but like, what's the reason, why is she not in this episode? Help, do you remember? (laughs) Uh, Like, where did we leave off with her? I think they parted
1: ways at the end of that episode but I can't necessarily remember the reason why. Like I said, that was, that's the only one I haven't rewatched, but I there was a reason why they parted ways. I just I cannot remember for the did, life of me why they did. did.
0: Did she stay with the village? I know this is probably going to drive people crazy because they're probably screaming at us oh, like, yeah. how do you not remember? But I, I really just genuinely can't remember. I do remember her not being on the speeder that, that drives away from the village, but uh, yes. I just can't remember the exact reason. So... um. I don't know if you heard me talk about her last week, but I mean, I m- my expectations were so low that mm-hmm. I was like actually thrilled with what Gina Carano did last week. I thought yeah. uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and her figured out the character, and so it was obviously the strongest Gina Carano has ever been. But she's a badass, and I want to see that from from this show. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that not that Ming Na Wen isn't a badass, but you know, now that we've seen both episodes, I know that Cara Dune is supposed to be a bigger character she's got a she's got a poster you know yes um she she's in season two so it's like okay well you actually kind of got me on board for Cara Dune and uh I don't have her this week and and this is what you're showing me so I don't know um maybe it'll be easier to uh to swallow once I see the the full season and maybe Cara Dune will be back next week who knows maybe they'll meet back up yeah, but, uh, I,
1: I actually kind of peeked ahead. She does show back up in, in a future okay. episode, and uh, and I think what this is this episode five, right? So yeah, I think uh, the one and I mentioned him before. I'm going to mention him again that I'm looking forward to John Carlo Esposito, one of my favorite actors on television. Uh, he is, it's noted on IMDb that he's going to. I think it's the final three episodes. It may be the final two, but I think we're going to start getting these reoccurring characters that are going to make a huge dent in season two, uh, because I don't think we're going to resolve a lot of these storylines in season one. I think Baby Yoda's going to carry over. I think uh, Cara Dune's going to carry over a lot of these characters, and hopefully we get to see Nick Nolte again, because my goodness, just still my favorite character in the show so far, but I I want them to flesh things out a bit more in season two, because I get why they haven't yet. This is... This is the establishment of Star Wars live action on television. We've never had this before. We have to say, hey, audience, here's what we're trying to do. Here's the look and the feel of the show. Let's see if this works. And if it works and we get a season two, let's start fleshing out a lot of these characters. And instead of using them as one offs and, and you know maybe two to three episodes, we'll start bringing them back in every season. So I, I, right. think, I think that's in the books. I think that's the plan. But I trust Favreau. You know, I trust Filoni, I trust these directors, man, because if I can say one thing about this show so far that has not disappointed me, it is the fact that each one of these directors that we have seen so far, they've come in, they've established that they can each do something different, but they have given us a solidly directed episode of television. Even last week's episode, episode four, like I said, I didn't love the episode, but it was... I was so impressed with with Bryce Dallas Howard and Deborah Chow, who... Directed my favorite episode so far. Like, oh my goodness. If that didn't get me so excited for what she's going to do with the Obi-Wan show. And I know you guys talked about this. But I'm just, I'm so thrilled that every director has kind of put their stamp. Even if it's a tiny stamp. Just their stamp on that specific episode. And uh, I, I just think it's really benefited this show so far.
0: I mostly agree with you for sure. I think that now that we're halfway, at least halfway through this first season... We can kind of start going. We can go from like, hey, let's let's see what this is. But now I f- I feel more comfortable being critical with some of what it's doing as, sure. as we get to the, uh, the the final what three episodes now. Yes, but uh, but again, using Rebels and Clone Wars as a template, especially Rebels, just because I I know more about Rebels than I do Clone Wars. I haven't visited that series few episodes here and there, but mm-hmm. I know that Rebels in the first season feels very much sure you have your character arcs and in, in the the mission at hand everything with the inquisitors but you do also have those pr- more procedural episodes and mm-hmm. as the show expands it gets a little bit more serialized so mm-hmm. using that template i think it's safe to say everything you were speaking to what we might see in season two it might follow that same pattern so maybe this is just a matter of maybe those procedural elements happen that they're, they're showing us I, I think in a good way the show is flashy some people call it fan service and uh, i would agree with that as well but it's a little flashy i mean there's yeah. all kinds of star wars things to look at we had the the dewbacks and the tuscan raiders and uh the prequel era droids that yeah. were uh with amy sedaris like uh like all of that's well and good i have no complaints there um but so i think that i think that that's how I understand If I know Star Wars, I think that that's probably what season two is going to be like. So, And I,
1: I think some people use the term fan service. Not that you were just now. I just mean in general, they use the term fan service as a negative. And, you know, most of the time it is, right? If it's in your face, if it's shoehorned. But for a show like this, I think we need a little fan service. I think we deserve that. Especially after the divisiveness of The Last Jedi. I don't even want to get into my opinion on that movie. But it was divisive. Any human being can see that. And they're there wasn't that much fan service, right? In a show like this, you deliver on the characters, you give us some good writing, and you continue to up the stakes. And I think they're doing all of those things. But you give us some fan service. And they have had such a nice balance of that so far. It's really been incredible to watch. And I can't tell you how many... And it's and it's even incredible sitting and watching these episodes because that's one of the reasons why I rewatch them because I go back and I watch them with my wife. And seeing her pick up on the little things from the prequels, and the little things from the original trilogy. And having her point them out to me, dude, that is awesome. And that's what you want as a Star Wars fan, and that's what you want as a television fan, nodding to what got you started, nodding to the reason why you're here. And I I believe The Mandalorian does that so beautifully. And I'm sorry, I'm just sitting here like going on a rant, but I really do, man. I think this is a show that is working, it's firing on all cylinders so far, I just I can't wait until next week and I say that every week but I cannot wait until episode 6.
0: I I think both are important. I think fan service is important just because it'd be it'd be silly to watch a show that explores like the po- post empire and not feel like like the, the shot with the uh stormtrooper helmets on oh, spikes, right? Great. That we saw in the trailer and in this episode. Like that shit that matters yes but at the at the same time i can't wait for the day where we see something that just shows us like that redefines star wars for us like Mm. and and if you want to say that about the last jedi like um i think the last jedi has a lot of star wars in it i i don't know that people uh, always like look look hard enough to see how it's very much like star wars but uh um but you know we we could have we could have that debate somewhere else but um yeah, I, I think both are important. It, it's just a matter of like it's it's evolution. It's it's evolution. So it's okay if we get there slowly. It's probably for the best because we don't want things to come out and just feel like, wait a minute, why like and I know some people already feel that way. Every time a new Star Wars project comes out, some people are like disoriented because they don't <laughs> they don't they feel like it's too new and it doesn't feel like Star Wars. And I don't know <laughs> that I've ever really felt that way. Yeah, um me too. And if I have used that phrasing, I mean it in in a positive way. Like, man, it kind of didn't feel like Star Wars. Um, I don't know. It's um, there's there's just like this weird balance, and maybe I haven't even figured out wh- what that is yet. I just I just know it when I see it. So it's hard to hard to contextualize something that we just haven't seen before. Um, I can't. I,
1: just real quick. I can't wait for the day that we get, and I I hate to say it like this, that we kind of get away from this span of time, kind of like what Game of Thrones is doing right now, they're going back, you know, 500 years, or or a a series moves forward 500 years. I just want to get out of here, get away from the Skywalkers, some of my favorite movies of all time, so I'm not dissing them, but I want something new from Star Wars. We haven't gotten that yet. The Mandalorian, it's still very much Star Wars, Uh, but I want something new, and I think, that's when people can start to appreciate the fact that you know you don't have to nod. You don't have to give us Easter eggs. If it's something that far removed um, from what we know as Star Wars, it will be divisive. It will be something that's hard to capture, um, but I just I can't wait to see really what this new trilogy that they're working on is going to be. I think that may be the closest we'll ever get, or the closest we've gotten so far, but once again, The Mandalorian is very much Star Wars, and I think that's what it needs to be, especially as the first show on Disney Plus.
0: It's funny that you mentioned Game of Thrones because, as you were talking, I was thinking about something that Daenerys says to Jon Snow in the finale. Um, I can't remember word for word what it is, but she says to him, um, "It's hard to know what's never been done before, or mm. it's hard to it's hard to imagine what's never been." seen before or something yeah. like that. I actually think that quote's super fitting to to our conversation here. And yes, I did just quote, I'm the first person to ever quote the Game of Thrones finale. <laughs> 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 because if you're like me, you kind of forget the Game of Thrones happened this year. Uh- <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> talk so, about
1: divisiveness ryan so, jeez sh- sh- shout
0: out shout out to me who uh pulled that game of thrones quote <laughs> out of his ass that's <laughs> awesome um uh i don't know if there's anything else to talk about really um yeah it uh, was uh yeah it it was it was an okay episode of television because yes. of what because what I've already like like about the show is still here, Baby Yoda, Mando, uh, the visual effects, things like that. But uh, just you know, you know, it's,
1: just a, <laughs> it's a guy and his baby on the run. What's not to like? You know, it, it's it is it is kind of feel like a you playing a video game and you get those side quests, those side missions. That's what this episode felt like. But hey, you get some. What do you get? coins in video games you get right. some coins out of it so that's pretty good but we'll get back on track I think the especially the last two episodes of this season what they're building up to is I didn't ask you Ryan who is the guy I mean who's the it may not even be a guy who do you think the person was at the main end uh, that walked over uh, Ming-Na Wen's character
0: uh, I uh I don't know. It's one of those things that like I saw it happen obviously and then I it's one of those things that like I don't realize what's happening until mm. like the episode slams to the credits and it's like wait a minute. I haven't gone back yes. to like to analyze the outfit. So mm. yeah, I either. couldn't even tell you if there was an ounce of like Beskar armor on it or if it was like an imperial thing. Like I saw some knee pads and that's about it. So, <laughs> so you, you probably know a little bit better than I do who that could potentially be. But I, I do, I did assume that it was Giancarlo Esposito just because Me too. I'm kind of, I'm finding any reason to anticipate his arrival because <laughs> I'm, I'm just so ready for it. So I, I think we're probably on the same page.
1: Yeah, I'm so ready for him to pop up, man. He's he's popping up in a lot of television this year. Uh, but the fact that we're getting him, I think, is is the main villain of this show. Just, I'm salivating over that,
0: dude. So I think it's him as well. Let me ask you this question. PJ and I talked about this last week. Do you, and maybe this is an unfair question, but why not? We're here. So <laughs> do you hope that season two of The Mandalorian... Uh, do you do you want it to have nothing to do at all with Baby Yoda? Should the show move beyond Baby Yoda in season two? Oh, that hurts my soul. Uh, I I think that it I think that it does. I don't yeah. think that this thing can last. I think that there, I think there's an expiration date. I'm not going to lie because. W- if it doesn't, then we're going to keep getting episodes like this to where it's like, oh my god, Baby Yoda's in trouble and the Mandalorian <laughs> just has to save him. I think last week very smartly set up that there is an end game, and at some point they will have to part ways. But mm-hmm. even though it's going crazy, the internet's going nuts, yeah. everybody knows about Baby Yoda, I just think the smart play is is to move on from it in Season 2, man. I really do.
1: Well, the show is still called The Mandalorian, and I think the fact that this is kind of stealing the thunder away from this character is a bit of a bummer, because I find them both to be spectacular characters. Uh, it's funny to say that Baby O's just, just kind of there, but it's a great character. I, I kind of agree <laughs> with you. I kind of agree with you. They, they do need to focus more on The Mandalorian, because that's what I think this needs to be. This needs to be The Mandalorian finding himself And maybe Baby Yoda was a stepstone for that, but I don't think it needs to be something that continues. Even though it's going to break my godforsaken heart, and I'm going to be so bummed not to see this character anymore, that doesn't mean it's the last time we get to see Baby Yoda, folks. We have Star Wars for a long time, and I do believe it's a character that's going to return one day, maybe not even in season two of this show. I don't think it needs to happen. I think the Mandalorian needs to prove that he can stand on his own. And even Pedro Pascal was tweeting it out. He's like, I understand that I'm being overshadowed by a a tiny little green puppet. Like, I get that. But there's a reason why. Baby Yoda is, it's such a magnificent idea. Whoever came up with it, probably Favreau. I'm like, that is brilliant because you know what's going to happen. The internet, sure enough, blew up over it. But the Mandalorian is a character that needs to prove to the world that he can stand on its own. So I don't know if they're going to do it. It's going to break my heart, like I said, but season two probably needs to focus on him.
0: Now, we've already established that you watch a shitload of television. It's yeah. it's list season. We're about to, you know, put out our rankings and y- you could probably do like five different television rankings like best streaming shows, best mm. Netflix shows, yeah. best shows of the year, best shows of the decade. Where is The Mandalorian right now? Like if if again, I'm just asking a ton of unfair questions, but no, right now, if you can gauge five episodes in, where is The Mandalorian on your on your TV list. If it continues on
1: the path that it's on and we get I'll need a few more episodes like the first three episodes. I gotta be honest with you. Because the last two have not measured up to my expectations, but they've still been good. If we get some incredible episodes over the next three, then I think this is easily in my top ten. And I think a lot of it has to do with what you said earlier. It is so rewatchable. Just those first three episodes, man. I've watched them all three times with my wife and my brother, and all three times, I'm, I've been just super entertained, ridiculously entertained. And it's Star Wars, and I love Star Wars. If this show paid off, it was going to get close to my top ten, but it really has surpassed my expectations, and it feels epic, and I hate to say it like this, it feels epic on a Game of Thrones level. That amount of epic. Maybe not quality-wise yet, uh, but the scope, I think, is grand. And I, I think, as of right now, if we keep on this path, it's going to be in my top ten of the year.
0: I I see it in my bottom five. I think mm-hmm. it, it could be like eight, nine, ten, maybe, as of yeah. right now. Yeah, The rewatchability and the look of it all, it's it's the best-selling point for me. For sure. But... But there's a lot of great television this year. I I just don't feel like The Mandalorian should be any any higher than that as of right now. But we'll see. I still have time to adjust my my expectations and uh, in my list, obviously, because we just have more time. Maze will drop today, you know. So there's yes. still television. There's still plenty of television to be had before we solidify those lists. But that's where I'm at as of right now. 2019 television eight nine or ten for The Mandalorian. Well, um, we
1: still we still have The Witcher. I mean, there are still so many shows yeah. coming out this month, and to say bottom five in your top ten, man, that's great. I mean, this year Succession, Mindhunter. Yeah, I we're mean, still finishing been... up
0: like Watchmen, and yes, I, I know that Jay and I are the only people watching Mr. Robot, but like Mr. Robot's final season has been actually pretty damn good this year. So awesome. awesome. There, there's yeah. still a lot of television that's left to be finished.
1: Yes. For sure, we have a month, man, and if it if it keeps on the track that it's on, then yeah, it's going to end up in my top ten. But I can't say for sure because there's still a lot of television yet to come.
0: This is TV House, so I, I want to wrap up. I just want to I just want to explore something that I discovered uh, this past week. So, P.J. Campbell, up until this point, had never seen Game of Thrones. Ooh, I've been seeing his tweets. <laughs> yeah, the, the the tweets are a lot of fun. Uh, yes, they are. <laughs> to see see him watch Game of Thrones in real time; it's pretty interesting. So, yes, it is. We sat down and recently binged the entire thing. Now, I'm not going to spoil his thoughts on the matter because I think PJ PJ should have a podcast where we kind of explore all of this. So, mm-hmm. I think that's going to come down the line. We'll definitely get that by the end of 2019. But what I'll say. My experience rewatching all of it, it's it's my fourth or fifth time binging the entire series. Wow. It was the second time I had ever seen the just season 8, binge season 8. It was the okay. second time that I watched it. Now, when season 8 was airing, it's important to say that I watched like The Long Night two or three times and I watched The Bells two or three times. But I had never seen, like, any of the other episodes multiple times. I definitely hadn't binged it. And especially didn't binge it with the rest of the series. So, up until this point, I've uh, I've said it before. I think it is a very sloppy season of television. I think it's easily yes. the worst season, obviously. Um, I appreciate it very much so in an episodic capacity. Like... I like watching the episodes in that season, but I think it's just not a great season. But I I guess... I don't know. I guess I'm very taken by the the battle sequences and things like that. But what I will say, now that I've seen it, full context, I think a lot of the Daenerys stuff that people were triggered by, the fact that it was an unearned... I I think it's all there. Hmm. So... I, I want to know what you think about this so my my big revelation is that the twist a lot of the fan base brings it brings it down to that moment where she is perched on drogon looking at the red keep and uh, John and everybody on the ground and the townspeople are waiting for the bells to ring and they feel like that that did not like that execution her turn d- did not come across so they feel like it failed. Now now that I've seen it all again, I don't think that that moment is when Daenerys turns. I think Daenerys turns before that. And she's already decided. I mean, she's already been laying waste to the town. Mm-hmm. So I think that, like, there's... I don't think there's a decision. Like, do I need to... Because if, if you remember, the townsfolk are screaming, ring the bells, ring the bells. And I think that in that moment, Daenerys just decides that... Mm-hmm. She, she always had it in her head that she would be a loving ruler, but obviously she had those Mad King tendencies throughout the entire series. So when she hears people screaming, ring the bells, ring the bells, we're getting annihilated, she realizes that she's already, if, if she's to rule, she's already going to be ruling out of fear. That's yeah. why I think the turn's already taken place, because it's already gone to shit. So I think in that moment, she realizes that there's nothing else that can be done. So she just goes on scorched earth and uh, lays waste to all of it. I think that that's why King's Landing is so disposable to her. It, it reminded me kind of like a lot of what Thanos says when he's like, mm. uh, as, long, as long as there are people that remember what once was, I can't fully you know, rule the way that I want to. I think yeah. it's kind of a lot like that. So... I, I, I just saw it differently, whereas like when I, when I first watched it, I thought that that moment was the turn. Uh, it's just kind of recontextualized, so I think uh, a lot of that is actually seeded uh, very much so. And it was just a lot easier to swallow because you don't have all of the—I know I'm rambling. I want to know what you think about what I'm saying, but it's it's a lot easier to swallow when you already know what's coming, so you can kind of just look at how we get there. And you don't have the two years of speculation in between to kind of arrive at your own conclusions. And then you're just like, so I am I'm just curious uh, what you think about all that and where you are with that.
1: Well, you mentioned the, the, the speculation. I think that was one of the problems with the last Jedi as everyone was, they had their theories on, you know, who is Ray and what does this character mean? And, and where are we going with this third act? and, it was almost the same way. Not that I was there, but I had—I've read a few things about how *Empire Strikes Back* was was handled by the fans. Right? It was praised critically, but it was actually a bit more divisive than people think, just because of how shocking that revelation was at the end of that movie. Uh, and I feel like it's the same case for *Game of Thrones*. Now, I'm—I'm I'm with you. That season was completely underwhelming. I did not like the final episode. It's probably one of my least favorite episodes of the series. I get it. I understand why you make that decision with Bran. I get it. and I Because I've heard it plenty of times. I know. But that character was so underwritten and underserved. (laughs) I mean, it was ridiculous. And all he did was sit there like a pervert and stare at people the whole season. I'm just like, "What what are you doing, man? But to speak on your point of Daenerys... That actually didn't kill me when I first saw it. Now, I, I didn't pick up on all of the context clues that everyone was talking about that loved that episode, right? They were like, okay, it's been planted. The, the seeds have been planted for a long time. They have been planted, for sure. I just, I can't remember specific instances. I know they're there. But that moment for me was a turning point, just not a turning point that I hated, right? I was shocked. I think we were all shocked. Everyone sitting back going, what? the absolute heck is going on. Like, we have been theorizing that this, this, and this was going to happen all of this time. And then she just destroys King's Landing. Okay, that's shocking. I understand. Uh, But that's not a decision that really bothers me. It's not. Because it was shocking, and because of everyone reacting the way that they did, it is just another knock for a lot of people on the quality of the season. Yeah, The overall season is disappointing. I get it. There were some decisions made in the final episode that made me want to turn off my television. I understand that. But it's still a beautiful show to look at. Technically, it's one of the most (laughs) impressive shows of all time. Phenomenal performances. Say what you will about Amelia Clark, Her performance was beyond spectacular in that season. I mean, beyond. She was fantastic. One of the best things on television. Uh, There were just some decisions made. Uh, But to your point, I, I don't think that was one that bothered me as heavily as it bothered other people. Now I need to go back and I need to rewatch it. It's just, man, I gotta be honest with you, it's such a struggle to go back and rewatch things that that everyone talks about in such either a positive, overly positive, it's the best thing in the world, or a right. completely negative light. That's why it took me a year to go back and revisit The Last Jedi because it's like, I'm just done. I'm done. I'm done talking it. Star Wars. I don't want to go watch it again. I'm so sick of people just ripping each other apart. Uh, but I need to go back and revisit it because I feel like it'll actually get better. Did it get better <clears throat> for you on your second watch? Like the overall season, or did it stay the same?
0: The overall season, I, I mean, yeah, I, I liked it more. I like the finale more, even though I, I'm okay. with you. I don't, I don't like the finale. I yeah, like it right. more because it, again, it's just it's all easier to swallow now that time has passed, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of doing it on my own terms. I'm not on twitter reading game of thrones controversies or anything like that yeah. so and like because pj was removed from all of that uh, I, again i he took to it you know it, it's kind of like the controversy didn't even happen um, yeah yeah it's it's not to say that he d- he isn't critical of it um but again i don't want to ruin his overall thoughts on it and i don't actually even fully know his entire thoughts on it but uh but i mean he just didn't suffer through all of that the way mm-hmm. the way that i did and uh yeah. Yeah, even though I agree with a lot of the criticisms like say online, I still was exhausted by it. Um and I I muted everybody when yeah. when that season was going on. Um just because I it was just way too much and it was exhausting. So, and, and everyone's tweeting out their spoiler-filled thoughts if you miss the episode. Yeah. And it's the mob
1: mentality of, of what Twitter has created. And, you know, every right. social media platform. But Twitter's really the worst, man. It's like if, if 10 people have this opinion and you feel slightly like you semi-agree with them, then it's 50 people. Then it's 100 people attacking those that enjoy the show. And I just I can't take stuff like that, man. I'm, I'm with you. When Game of Thrones was coming out episode per episode, and same thing with The Mandalorian, I just don't get on social media because I don't want to get... Right the show ruined for me because everyone's tweeting out spoilers and I just, I don't want to see the divisiveness. Um, It's definitely worthy of being divisive that season, but that decision is one that did not bother me that much, to be honest.
0: Right. Anyway... Guys, looking forward to uh, that conversation with uh, PJ and myself. I guess, I guess that's who's going to be on it when we we talk about his binge of Game of Thrones. We wait. also <laughs> have uh, a Watchmen recap coming on uh, on Monday, as per usual. It's the penultimate episode, so hopefully, hopefully it's a good one. And uh, are you are you caught up on Watchmen? I'm not caught up. I'm two episodes behind.
1: I did recaps on my channel, but once again, divisiveness, I could not take it. I couldn't take it. Uh, But I am going to do a season recap. What I've seen so far, though, I really love. It is a show that could end up in my top ten of the year.
0: If you are two episodes behind, that means that you are about to watch maybe the best episode of television this year. (laughs) really? Yeah, so the last thing you saw was... Was Angela taking the bottle of nostalgia? Yes. Yes. You, yeah. You're about to watch the best episode of television this year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's exciting. That's exciting. Yep. It is. Anyway, <laughs> that recap's coming as well, and then you and I should be back tomorrow. I think we're going to talk about a couple of Adam Driver pictures. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I stand so Adam a- Driver. That <laughs> That's <people> right. <laughs> sure. Uh, Be on the lookout for that, guys, and uh, Austin Burke, it was great to uh, talk to you once again about not only The Mandalorian, but uh, about all things television. Where can uh, the good people find you online?
1: You guys can find me on YouTube, Austin Burke, Twitter and Instagram, at the Ader. always talking TV and movies, and uh, back here tomorrow, like you said, Adam Driver, uh, one of those movies that we're talking about tomorrow is one of my favorite movies of the year. Awesome. That's my tease.
0: (laughs) There you go. Guys, Twitter and Instagram at WhatUpSnell. I also talk a lot about television on my other podcast, Sight and Sound. So you can find that wherever podcasts are found. We also do weekly. Well, it's like, I shouldn't say weekly. It's like semi-daily live streams on Twitch. So if you go to twitch.tv slash site Jay and myself talk about the latest happenings in pop culture. You can watch it live or you can see it on our YouTube channel uh, a few minutes later. And, uh, yeah, check out Sight and Sound. Twitter and Instagram at Snell. Can't remember if I said that, but I I did a second time (laughs) if that's the case. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye.